0: Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Ethan Forhatz on the International Humanitarian and Disaster Relief Organization, Convoy of
1: Hope. We have community events across the country, rural initiatives across the country where we go in and we partner with churches many times to make Mm -hmm. this happen. So the church is the focal point, is the contact, the point of contact between the community and the goods. Uh, But we, we deliver food to food banks and we just help people with the supplies that they need. Uh, And in this country, we're seeing more and more need out there as inflation just continues to get out of control. Ethan Forhatz, next.
0: Convoy of Hope has helped hurting people in more than 127 of the world's countries by empowering women, feeding kids, and helping farmers. Right now, we'll find out about its inspirational story from its founding to its current ministry outreaches as I talk with Ethan Forhance, national spokesperson and vice president of public engagement for Convoy of Hope. Later on, Ethan will tell us how he became involved with the ministry. Ethan, tell us about the founding of Convoy of Hope. I know it was founded by Hal
1: and Dory Donaldson. Hal uh, and Dory are both still on staff here. Hal is the CEO. Dory is in charge of our Women's Empowerment Program at Convoy Women. Uh, but this all started a long time ago. When Hal was a young boy back in 1969, uh, he had three siblings, and their parents went out to a business meeting one evening and were hit head-on by a drunk driver. Uh, and Hal's father was killed instantly. His mother was in the hospital for about a year following that. So Hal and his three siblings ended up going to live with a family from church. That family lived in a, in a single-wide mobile home, uh, and during the the year or so that Hal and his brothers and sisters were were with them, uh, Hal understood what it was like and and felt what it was like to live in poverty. They were on food stamps, on welfare, uh, and he also learned during that time. So he says he he learned the the, the shame of poverty during that time, but he also learned. Uh, what kindness can do, because they relied on the kindness of strangers around town, in the neighborhood, even people they knew at church, to drop off groceries for them. Uh, and he got to really see that on a, on a personal level, uh, what the kindness of strangers can do for your life. Uh, so he experienced the ups and the downs, you could say. Uh, he made up his mind that he was going to be successful in life and, and not beyond poverty when, when he uh, was, was able to do it on his own volition. So he went to school, became a journalist, and was uh, helping to write a book about the Bontanes, the famed missionaries to India. And as part of that, uh, he traveled to India, and they had set up an interview with Mother Teresa for him. <laughs> so during the course of that interview, as he was interviewing Mother Teresa— Mother Teresa turned the tables on Hal, pointed her crooked finger at him, and she said, Young man, what are you doing to help the poor and the suffering? And Hal uh, very quickly decided it was probably not a good idea to lie to Mother Teresa. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So he shamefully told her the truth, which was, I'm not doing much of anything. And she said some words that would change his life, the course of his life, and the course of the lives of millions since then. Uh, She said to him, everyone can do something. And those were words that he said haunted him as he came back to the States. And as he was reading his Bible, he found out the Bible agreed with that, uh, that everyone can do something to help uh, their fellow man. So he set out to do that. And and he started out with about $300 worth of groceries in the back of a pickup truck, driving through a neighborhood and handing them out to people who needed them. And that really is the genesis of Convoy of Hope. And since then, since that, those $300 worth of groceries, we're celebrating $2 billion worth of services mm-hmm. given to people. And we also celebrated more than 200 million people served uh, since the founding of the organization. So it's quite a story. And, and what uh, community did it begin in? Where, where was he living? It started out in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, the exact community, uh, I think, it was in the Sacramento area. Okay, but it was—I know—I know that it was in California where this began. Uh, he then uh, ended up getting a job writing for. Uh, the Assemblies of God, and they're headquartered in Springfield, Missouri. So as he was editor of their their monthly publication, maybe weekly publication, he moved to Springfield to run that. Uh, and it was here in Springfield that uh, convoy of hope really uh, got off the ground and took shape.
0: Can you talk a little bit Ethan about how it grew? I mean, from three hundred dollars worth of groceries in the back of his pickup truck as he took uh, Mother Teresa's uh, challenge, you might say, I mean, to think that you're as I understand it, you're now in Sixteen countries.
1: Oh yeah, we're in sixteen countries every single day of the year. we we've worked in more than a hundred. Well, right at about hundred thirty right now since our founding. Hmm. But I think I think Hal would tell you this. the The answer to that question, Bill, is the Lord. Mm-hmm. The Lord has has favored this organization. He's breathed on it in every way since its founding. Uh, we were blessed ver- very early on to have a local businessman who donated a truck to their very first. Uh, Semi truck to convoy of hmm. hope, and it allowed them to to go do community events in different areas and pick up supply and drop it off different places, and and, and since then uh, it's just been the favor of the Lord that has smiled on this organization, uh, going before us in ways that are that are truly incredible and, and unbelievable if you aren't close to it. But on a daily basis, something miraculous <laughs> happens here, it seems, with either a contact or uh, a new donor or a corporate partner. or uh, it's, it's incredible what's gone on here in the last almost 30 years. Well, my guest is Ethan
0: Forhats. He is national spokesperson and vice president of a ministry known as Convoy of Hope, vice president of public engagement, I should quickly add. It has grown to be a an international relief organization. And I guess I at this point, uh, Ethan, maybe you could explain to us what your mission is, what it what it is that you do. I know it involves, uh, obviously, bringing humanitarian relief and so on. But if you could give us a little bit of an idea of uh, yeah, what your mission
1: is, We do a lot of things at Convoy of Hope, but uh, the thing that we're we're dedicated to is is doing things to get people to to try to end generational poverty. That's what we want to do. We don't want to just give people food for today. We want to give them food for tomorrow and the ability to provide their own food for the days after tomorrow. So uh, we do that through our children's feeding program, uh, where we feed uh, roughly half a million kids every school day around the world. Uh, And we do that by partnering with schools, uh, most of them Christian schools around the world, uh, where we go in and we're able then to keep the kids in school they can get an education and focus on getting an education because so many times we hear about kids saying that before we moved in, they weren't able to concentrate on their schoolwork. They weren't able to get good grades because their mind, if you've ever been hungry, then you know this. Your, your mind is constantly fixated on where you're going to get their next meal. Are you going to get their mm. next meal? So we free kids up to be able to concentrate on schools and be able to work toward their future to end generational poverty that way. Another way that we do it is through our women's empowerment programs where we go in uh, to countries around the world. And many times these are countries where where women are uh, literally valued less than cattle. And, and we go in there, they're there with the kids. Uh, the husband has left many times and, and they're not able, they're in a culture where they're not able to provide for themselves. So what we do is we do a study in their community, find out what business is needed. Uh, we come alongside the woman with training equipment if that's needed, uh, financial help, uh, and just really really come alongside them for a year or so and help them learn how to be successful. And then we watch them thrive, uh, and we see great successes as a result of that program. But that's another way to end generational poverty. Now the woman is not in our food line, but rather she's providing for her own family enough so to, in most cases, in many cases, tithe back to the organization uh, because they want to help more women who were in a circumstance like she was in. Another way that we do it is through our agriculture program, and this maybe is my favorite thing that we do. We go into countries and we in villages and we teach people how to farm their land, uh, how to be good stewards of their land. Because I don't know if you, Bill, if you've ever had a garden. Uh, but it ain't easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> My wife and I tried one for the first time a couple of years ago and it didn't go well. Uh, so you need people to come alongside the soil scientists. We have a guy on staff here. His name is Dr. Dirt. Uh, <laughs> he goes in and really knows what can grow in different places and it can revolutionize uh, not only villages, but entire regions and entire countries in Nepal. For example, we have a story on our website. Uh, following the earthquake in 2015, the village was decimated. We went in. We said, we, we can teach you how to grow things here, agriculture. The people there of the village were all in. So after a year, they were seeing such success uh, that uh, one guy in the story says, before you moved in, I was making 1,500 rupees. Now, after one year of Convoy Hope being there, I'm making 60,000 hmm. rupees. Bill, I don't know how much a rupee is, but I can tell you <laughs> that if you go from 1,500 of, yeah. uh, of, of jelly beans to 60,000, that's an incredible life-changing increase. Mm-hmm. So we see that time and time again. That village has become the the model for all of Nepal on how to farm. The tea that they grow there is sought-after tea now. Who knew? Uh, but it's it's really great to see that because now they're no longer in our food lines. They don't need Convoy of Hope, and that's what we want. uh, Just a couple other quick quick things. We have community events across the country, rural initiatives across the country where we go in and we partner with churches many times to make Mm -hmm. this happen. So the church is the focal point, is the contact, the point of contact between the community and the goods. Uh, but we we deliver food to food banks and we just help people with the supplies that they need uh, and in this country we're seeing more and more need out there as inflation just continues to get out of control
0: and how about staffing I, can you give an idea of uh, the numbers that are involved i mean it's got to be quite a few people
1: we have about it's grown really uh, exponentially in the last uh two years or so hmm. we have about 400 people on staff Most of those are in the United States right now, Uh, but we're getting to the point, uh, we were just talking about this a couple of weeks ago, we're getting to the point where soon we will have more international employees than we do have domestic employees, and that's really a signal to how this organization has grown. Uh, over the years and and what a global organization it's becoming
0: and con- the word convoy of course conjures uh to mine some a parade of uh, semis uh, yes. t- tell us about that where that the, the name convoy what it what it what it means
1: yeah convoy is has been known for its its trucks are iconic mm-hmm. uh the pictures of the the big big rigs traveling down the highway with mountains behind them or with desert behind them wherever it is. Uh, that you know that that help and hope are on the way. Whenever you see a convoy truck, that's been true. Uh, as as we respond to disasters, which is another major part of what we do—disaster response in this country and around the world. Uh, so, uh, the, it, it's just a fitting name. Uh, and and hope comes in there because hope is something that we all need. And and I think it's something that a lot of people uh, maybe are lacking right now in recent years, maybe in the last 10 years or so, there, there's been a sense, I don't know if you felt it, but it seems like a growing hopelessness in our culture. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really make sense uh, because we have we have so much in this culture, but yet there's a sense of hopelessness. So what, when somebody has hope, they have reason for living. Uh, they have reason to wake up in the morning, uh, to do what they do, and 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 you got to have hope that tomorrow is going to be a better day, and that's what we're about.
0: And obviously, the Christian faith is central.
1: That's the ultimate hope that we want to give people. Uh, we don't push it on anyone, of course. That's, it's not a prerequisite for getting any of the goods and services that we provide, but it's a, it's the reason why we do what we do. Honestly, uh, we do it for that reason. The Bible tells us to. Jesus told us to. So we care for our fellow man. Uh, we care for widows and orphans, um, and 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 if we can impart that hope to them, uh, then we've given them eternal hope, which is which is what it's about.
0: And and obviously there are organizations which are at least it sounds like are doing similar kinds of work around the world. How would Convoy of Hope contrast
1: uh, with them? I think the biggest thing that makes us different is how we partner with churches. Mm. Uh, They are our major partner across this country and really around the world. Uh, Let's say for a disaster situation, Uh, as, as our convoy, our literal convoy of hope is driving down with all of our emergency vehicles ready to respond, our people are on the phone with pastors to find out what they need uh, who needs it the most, where, uh, you know, it, and pastors are honest with us. They'll tell us if, hey, listen, our community wasn't hit nearly as hard as this community. Mm-hmm. Get in touch with this pastor there and go there. That's where they need the help. Or come to my parking lot and park here because churches have the big imp- parking lots, which are empty most of the time, so we can land there. And that becomes our home base now to work in the disaster response area. Uh, That's where we have distributions. People drive onto the parking lot. Uh, And another thing that we get to do when we partner with churches is we call on their army of volunteers. So that allows us to keep our costs down. We don't have to move in with an army. We move in with people to manage and supply the distribution. And then uh, it's it's the people on the ground, the people Mm -hmm. who put on the Convoy of Hope t-shirts, who then give out the supply to their neighbor. So then, Bill, when Convoy of Hope rolls out eventually, whether it's going to be two weeks from now, two months from now, two years from now, the church is the point of contact that the people know they got help from this church. They didn't get help from Convoy Mm. of Hope. They got help from the church, and the church is there to minister to their bigger needs, which are their spiritual needs. So they're so grateful. You see people... Uh, In these instances, many times on on what is the worst day of their life Mm -hmm. uh, and, and what they need is what we were talking about earlier. They need that hope. They need to know that somebody cares, whether it's it's from up in Missouri or from the rest of the country down in Florida or halfway around the world in Ukraine. They need to know that somebody cares about their plight, is praying for them and is for them. Uh, And I think that's what Convoy of Hope is is doing. And just as part of the story that I was covering in Romania is uh, at an orphanage. There was an orphanage that had had to evacuate Mm. from Ukraine into Romania. uh, And Convoy of Hope is supplying the food there on a daily basis for the kids in that orphanage. And
0: I don't know if it's fair to ask this. Is there a a top priority right now for Convoy of Hope in terms of uh, what you're doing? or, Or is it many things?
1: You know, it's it's many things because all of these things I've talked about, the women's empowerment, uh, the agriculture, the children's feeding, those are all going on on a daily mm-hmm. basis. And then there are times the war in Ukraine started. That becomes the priority for the moment. Uh, you know, everybody's thinking that because it's happening now. We got mm-hmm. these people out. There's a crisis at the Polish border. We need to supply food. How are we going to get the, sh- the the shipments over there? The supply chain's a mess. All of that uh, that becomes when there's an when there's an emergency, when there's a disaster, Hurricane Ian became the priority in the moment because there it is offshore. It's going to be a Category Four hurricane. They need the help right now. So there are things that become the top priority, uh, but. But then happening every single day are all those other priorities that, that have to keep moving.
0: Well, we're talking about Convoy of Hope. It's a ministry. It's an international ministry. My guest is Ethan Forhats. He's national spokesperson and vice president of public engagement. And uh, people might be wondering, uh, Ethan, uh, just going back over the last three years now of the, the pandemic, uh, w- what uh, was Convoy of Hope's role there? I mean, what kind of challenges uh, did you face ha- having still having uh, th- those needs are there probably more than ever and certain yeah. kinds of needs that the the pandemic created in some of these communities?
1: Well, you know, I think for a lot of industries and a lot of businesses, it was an eye-opening experience to go through that. Mm-hmm. It, it made us call a bunch of audibles. Uh, we figured out a lot of ways to do things that we didn't know existed. Right. But in the moment, uh, you figure it out, and we figured it out quickly, uh, very early on in that. Uh, we decided that that we were going to supply 10 million meals to people who needed it. Uh, and then that was a goal. We hit that very quickly. So it became 50 million meals. Hit that very quickly. So we kept raising our goal until we provided more than 200 million meals, uh, most of those for the people in the United States. And we had to figure out ways to do that that required uh, you know, no contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we really improved our drive-through distributions, where people just pop the trunk. We've put the the, the grocery bags and items in to provide those meals, uh, and that's something that we've been using over the last couple of years. We've gotten really good at it. Uh, and then another thing I think the convoy showed us was we we couldn't travel nearly as much as we had been traveling. So. When you're an international organization, there are times that you have to travel and be boots on the ground mm-hmm. uh, at our at the offices, at the headquarters in different countries. We had to really cut back on that just because it was impossible to travel during that time, as you recall. So we had to figure out ways to make it work without the travel that we were uh, utilizing. Uh, and then as travel came back into place, it made us even better stewards of what we had because now we're saying, okay, we can, can we do this without the travel? Because if so, we can save some money and be more strategic about where we put the money. So it, it, it really changed a lot of the way that Convoy does things. Now, the supply chain is a supply chain. We're always going to need truck drivers. We're always going to need trucks to move product uh, from one place to another. But on a hands-on way, day-to-day, it really changed a lot of the way Convoy of Hope operates.
0: I would like to ask you a a little bit about the philosophy of the founder, the co-founder, Hal Donaldson. Of course, he's written, I think, close to is it 30 books, something like that? That's a lot of books. Yeah, it's about 30. <laughs> and obviously, I know you can't know what's in every book and everything that he said, but he, he has, a. as I, I read uh, somewhere online, he has uh, sort of the ability, the, the sense of wanting to constantly challenge believers to, yes, to think of ministry on a big scale, but also to make it personal, to reach out yeah. to people nearby. Um, t- talk about that a little bit
1: as I talked about from House Childhood, he understands how far kindness can mm. go, uh, how something that maybe is small to you becomes huge in another person's life. And you may never know the magnitude it had in somebody else's life. Th- that was what he felt as as those groceries showed up on their front doorsteps at that in that mobile home. Uh, and he tells the story about going shoe shopping. A woman from church took him shoe shopping. And that was back in the day when they had, I think, uh 99 cent shoe section, mm-hmm. a two dollar shoe section, and then a four or five dollar shoe section. And he went straight to the ninety-nine cent shoe section, mm-hmm. which is where he had always gone. That's what sure. he was used to. And she said, No Hal, not today. Today you're you're going to the five dollar section. And, and yeah. he remembers that feeling inside him of what that act of kindness did for him. Uh so that's what he talks about. It's it's not it's not major things. Not everybody has to go start a uh, an international charity mm-hmm. that serves 200 million people. But everybody can do something, just like Mother Teresa said. And you never know what that something is going to mean in someone else's life. Quick story from Hurricane Harvey down in uh, the Houston area. Convoy of Hope was responding there following that horrific hurricane. And uh, we drove up to this woman's house. We saw a woman sitting on her front porch. And uh, we got out, went up to her and said, hey, we're from convoy of hope. What can we do to help you? Uh, the reason we know this story is because every time there's a disaster, she is on Twitter saying that she's donating to convoy of hope, urging her friends to do the same because a cheese sandwich saved her life. Hmm. So (laughs) that day, our, our team knows nothing about this, but they offered her a cheese sandwich and they offered to cut down the trees that were on top of her house. Well, uh, we called her after we saw her tweet about that more than once and said, hey, can we, can we just ask you your story? So her story is that a couple of weeks prior to the hurricane, she was in law enforcement. She got laid off from her job. And the hurricane knocked down all the oak trees onto her house. And uh, the, the damage was, was immense. And she was sitting on her front porch feeling hopeless. And in fact, she had a gun and was planning to take her own life. When a Convoy of Hope team rolled up with a cheese sandwich and chainsaws, they cut down the trees off her house. And the, it, that's what gave her the hope mm-hmm. that, okay, somebody cares. Somebody is going to help me. Uh, she was at her lowest low, but a cheese sandwich saved her life. And now forever, she she will uh, reach out to Convoy of Hope and donate every time there's a disaster because it's the reason she says she's alive today. So my point is, and it's Hal's point as well, that you'd never know how, how something that seems so small to you is going to be a life-changing, have a life-changing impact on somebody else.
0: Hmm. Well, in the time we have left, Ethan, I know that um, you, um, you have had quite a background. Well, I'd just like to ask you, tell us a little bit about that background and how the Lord led or called you. To become involved with Convoy of Hope,
1: uh, for 25 years I had a career in local TV news. Uh, Las Vegas was one of the one of my spots. That was my first spot. I graduated from UNLV down in Las Vegas, mm. and my very first job was at KVBC, the NBC affiliate in Las Vegas. Uh, and from there, I I moved and and worked as a TV news anchor in Florida, and in Michigan, and in St. Louis, and finally in Springfield, where. Uh, I was for the last 15 years of my TV news career. That's where I met my wife. She was a reporter at the station and and we worked together for 15 years until uh, it was uh, two years ago that we both, as it turns out, individually at first felt it was time to leave the business, Mm -hmm. which was odd for us because we just we had a good situation. In our hometown, highest-rated NBC affiliate in the country, and 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 yep. and life was good. So we figured we'd just retire there, and it'd it'd be, it'd be a great place to, to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, we both individually felt called, and it wasn't until finally we we had a conversation together about what we were both feeling individually, where we we both realized that wow, we can. I th- I think we're going to be leaving television, which hmm. you know I I didn't think I could do anything else to be honest <laughs> with you, uh, but. The Lord was calling us away, and it was, during the, it was during the COVID year, I think coincidentally more than anything, but uh, where everybody was reevaluating everything, but it was a tough time in news. Uh, there was uh, political unrest, racial unrest on a daily basis, and we got to feel like, Bill, in, in secular news that we were becoming more part of the problem than we were the solution. And that didn't sit right. we didn't want to be part of the problem, so we thought, well, what can we do to be part of the solution And we had known Convoy of Hope for so long, covering it for fifteen years, headquartered in the town that we were working in news. We knew some of the people who worked here and knew their hearts, uh, we knew the founders and their hearts and what drove them and their their love for the lord and uh and we thought, man, that would really be something if we could we could work for them. And then, so they had been trying to get my wife to come on board for several years mm. and it never was the right time, but she had conversations with them frequently. So she brought me into the conversation and, uh, you know, the Lord went before us and we were able to to work out a deal where we became national spokespeople for the organization. And, uh, it's just been, uh, it's been a real blessing. Now we feel like we're part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Uh, and it's, it, it's an interesting journey that the Lord has us on for sure. You never know where you're going to end up, but it's exciting. And when you trust the Lord to lead you, you know he's going to do the providing. So it's great. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to
0: today's guest, Ethan Forhetz, Vice President with Convoy of Hope. For more information, go to convoyofhope.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again on Monday at the same time for another edition of His People.